Hey guys, thanks for joining me today on the Dad Code Podcast. Real dads, real talk, no BS. Before we get started, go ahead and follow us there on your favorite podcasting platform. Leave us a like or a good review, whichever one is the case. Let's go ahead and get started. I know it's been a long time since I've recorded anything, but there's been some really big things going on in my life in none of them have really been a good thing Um, so first off I can't believe I'm having to say this out loud I haven't really talked about this a whole lot with anybody except for close family but um, on July 22nd my mother passed away very suddenly Um, then about a month later her father, my grandfather, passes away. Um, and then to top it all off, we had to have our, our precious little dog, Star, put down as well. Um, it's been a very difficult road dealing with the health of my mother. It got very serious there for a while. We were preparing for her to move in with us. Um, before she died suddenly uh, after surgery at the hospital. And then having to deal with all the estate issues and, you know, kind of trying to figure all that out and working with the attorney to try to figure out what the best way to do everything is. And we're kind of finally in a spot now where we can kind of take a deep breath because it it was all consuming there for a while folks I mean it every extra minute that I had I basically spent on trying to prepare my mother's house for sale or getting it cleaned out after it sold Um, there's a story behind that that I'll tell you here in a second as well and then having to you know deal with my grandfather passing away helping my aunt go through basically the same thing that she or that I am going through because she was kind of the primary caretaker of my grandfather who was was, if you listen to this podcast it's he was he's basically my hero he's the guy that I want to be whenever I grow up kind of thing I want to be I want to be a granddad like him one day because he was the best. It's just plain and simple. Um, And then in the middle of all of this, you know, having to put our dog down, I mean, it's probably something that we should have done earlier, but with everything that's been going on, you hate to say that we've kind of turned a blind eye to it, but we kind of did. Our poor dog, Star, was she's 18, about to be 19 this coming year. And she just wasn't having a very good quality of life. And she couldn't see, she couldn't hear, she couldn't, she didn't, she didn't really have any idea where she was most of the time. She walked in little small circles all the time. She has really bad arthritis in her hips and knees. Um, mainly she just seemed scared all the time. And I didn't want her to feel that way. But we'll go back, you know, earlier this year for anybody who really follows the podcast. Um, I did an episode about how hard it is to watch your your parents decline and 
I really had to watch my mom. I had a front row seat of my mom just really taking a really swift decline. You know, at the beginning of the year, whenever we started baseball, it seemed like everything was hunky-dory. But then it was like progressively getting worse every week and every month that she couldn't, she couldn't make the walk between her car in the parking lot to her chair next to the dugout. It even got to a point to where I had to bring her chair into her and either I had to walk with her or my wife had to walk with her or my son had to go walk with her. Um, <clears throat> it was hard to watch because she was, it, it appeared that she was becoming feeble right in front of her eyes, which is, like I, like I mentioned in that podcast, it was very hard to watch. It's hard to, hard to really wrap your head around, you know, someone who you admired and, and loved so much start to physically de- decline. And, and with my mom, it was difficult because she's just been so fiercely independent for so long. You know, she got divorced whenever I was in third grade. And, you know, she's been super mom ever since. And, I mean, it got to the point to where she wouldn't let me leave her whenever I would go over there. I mean, she would sit there and it looked like, I don't even know how to describe it, but she would have her head hung and she would just be sitting there and it was just like she was struggling just to sit there. She couldn't get up and walk to the, to the fridge to get herself food, so she really wasn't eating hardly anything at all. So I would go over there and you know try to make sure she at least got something to eat, and she would eat about three or four bites, and that would be all she would eat, and she'd be like, is that good enough? And I'm like, no, it's really not good enough, but if it's all you can eat, it's all you can eat. Um, <clears throat> so she lost like 50 pounds in about, 60 days it was it was pretty pretty scary there for a while you know she had a so this is the other thing is my mom's a nurse or was a nurse hard to say that now but she's she was a nurse and she would go to the doctor herself and she said she would get all these tests run I don't know if she ever actually did because for all of you who know nurses are the worst patients I mean they're so smart and they know so much stuff when it comes to medicine that um, nothing, they know what's good and they know what's bad. And if they don't want to hear the bad, sometimes they just block it out and they, they kind of uh, make an excuse for why what, they, what they're telling them isn't, isn't really valid or isn't true or might not be true or whatever. So she, she used to tell me that, you know, they can't ever find anything that's wrong. They just see fluid on my lungs. and. I gotta go get that drained at some point. So she would put that off and put that off and put that off and put that off. And finally, it got to the point to where I had to intervene and I had to just tell her that, Mom, you need to go to the hospital. I can't take care of you. Like, I I know she wanted me, she told me she wanted me to take care of her, but I can't, like I have to work a full-time job and, You know, I have a family as well. I mean, you hate having to tell your loved one that, look, I love you, but I can't spend every waking moment over here at your house taking care of you. It's not fair to my family as well. I mean, I know that they're struggling. 
And, you know, there were indications throughout the way that, like, maybe she was losing her mind a little bit just because she would send me these text messages describing her day, and then she would call me immediately after and say, I didn't send that text message. <clears throat> I'm like, okay, well, that's worrisome, but we'll, we'll, get, we'll circle back to that. Um, <clears throat> so we get her to the hospital. You know, they, they, want to, they want to do surgery on her. She keeps refusing. Well, they finally see a pulmonologist that really knows what he's doing. He's, he's a young guy, very straightforward, the kind of guy that my mom needed to see. And he told her, he said, her name was Cindy. Mom's name is Cindy. So he said, Cindy... If you don't have this surgery, you're not going to have any kind of life. And you're going to be coming back and seeing me. But as he said, if we can successfully do this surgery, you know, I'm not going to say it's fixed, but you're going to have a way better quality of life. And that was kind of what we were shooting for the whole time was just to get her to where she has a decent quality of life. Because it was determined by him that he, that she had empyema, which is basically an infection in the lung, and they needed to go in there and clear that lung, that infection out. And so they go in, do the surgery. My mom has always been terrified of surgery. Again, she's a nurse. She's extremely smart. She knows what. She probably in her head knows what's really wrong with her in some to some degree, and. So they take her to surgery, and she codes as soon as they put her under. Uh, so it was a constant battle. So they ended up not being able to tack down the, the pleura to the lung. Uh, so they ended up just kind of scraping out all the infection and draining the lung and kind of taking some pictures and looking around. My mom's, I think it's her right lung, uh, was so scarred over. I mean, it looked like... It looked like her right lung had plastic wrap over it. It had so much um, scar tissue on it. So basically he said that, but the reality is, is this has probably been like this for decades to have that much scar tissue on it. You know, she's, my mom has always had kind of a bad cough for no reason, year round. Um, chronic bronchitis is what they always called it. But anyway, nothing really remarkable. They just wanted to end the surgery because she wasn't really doing, tolerating anesthesia real well. Um, so she's in the hospital. They think that maybe that maybe that they got the empyema out, that maybe that made her to where she could go home. So she went home, ended up having to come back three days later via ambulance because she had to call 911 because she woke up one morning and she couldn't breathe, even though she had oxygen, a nasal cannula oxygen going. Um, so she goes back to the hospital and then we start to see some really strange things. Her, in the first surgery, they left a catheter to drain, to manually drain the lung, uh, every now and then, or I guess it was about once every three or four days. So that fluid kept coming back faster. Like we, it would 
her lung would fill up about every two days. And there were more signs of mental decline happening. So I'm wondering if, you know, at this point, is the lack of oxygen damaging her brain in some way? Um, according to the nurses, she had some kind of, you know, horrible nausea attack. I asked her about it, and she says she doesn't know what they're talking about. I try to call her during the day, and she won't answer, so I'm frantically calling the nurses on the floor asking, like, is everything okay? And they're like, yeah, she's fine. She's just sitting in her room. And I keep telling them, like, well, tell her to answer her phone. Like, I'm trying to call her. She never would answer her phone. Very unlike my mom. Very, very unlike my mom. Um, so, very strange acting. You know, they ended up moving my mom. I didn't know they moved her. She didn't tell me they moved her. They moved her up to the the PICU, the PICU, and I told the nurses up there that, look, I need to know every single little thing that's happening. For some reason, she's not telling me anything, and I don't know what's going on. I don't know if neurology needs to be consulted or what, so, but anyway, it was then determined that her, they needed to try to go back and do and do the, the same surgery again to try to do it and get this done so she could have some kind of quality of life. Uh, her surgeon didn't know that she ended up back in the hospital until he got back from vacation, so he was pretty pissed about that. But they go back in. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get there for surgery. And she comes out of surgery. I was able to get there right as she came out wasn't able to see her as she came out because they wouldn't let us and in the medical I'm kind of pseudo medical with the type of work that I do and I knew something was wrong right then they wouldn't let us go back to the ICU to see her apparently she was coding over and over again on the table and again they were able to finish the procedure, but they were hoping she was going to bounce back from the surgery like she did the, the previous time. Um, it was over two hours before we were able to go in and see her. I had to put a pick line in. Um, not a pick line, I'm sorry, uh, a central line in. So we went into ICU. She was comfortable at that point. Later that night, as I was asleep, I got a call from one of the ICU nurses. It was 2 a.m. She told me, I'll never forget it, there's been an event that has happened. And we have had to begin to perform resuscitation efforts. And I said, I know that that was her wish that you would try to keep her alive. So they tried to keep her alive. And I told them, I said, I don't know what to do. Am I supposed to come? Or am I supposed to let, let you guys do your thing? I don't know what to do. They told me I needed to come. 
So I gathered myself, called my aunt, told her to head to the hospital. I called my best friend's mother, who um, I consider her my other, my color, my other mother, told her I needed her to come, that I didn't know what was going on and I was scared. I pulled into the hospital parking lot. It must have been about 2.15. And they called me and told me that they regretted to inform me that she had passed. I was standing in the middle of the parking lot, screaming and weeping, when my other mother, my best friend's mother, pulled up and came to console me. That was the first person that I had to tell that my mother had passed. And it was awful. We walked in, went to the ICU. They had her body covered. Having to look at her body after she had noticeably been fighting for her life. It was awful. The reality set in. I couldn't hardly stand it. I left the ICU and then was greeted by my aunt. My aunt had called her my mom's best friend and told her she needed to come. So her and her husband and my aunt all kind of converged together. These were the, uh, the next people that I had to tell that my mother had passed. I'm not sure what was worse, having to tell them that she had passed or having to watch them absolutely melt into the floor when they broke down. It was hard. <sighs> Moving on, I seemed to be in a very deep depression for about the next two weeks. I texted my work and I told him, I said, look, I'm not going to be at work and I don't know when I'm coming back. Luckily, they were very understanding and accommodating. And I'll forever be grateful for them for that. But moving forward into the funeral, it was an awful experience for those who haven't been to it, been through it. It's one of the worst things you'll ever have to do. But I don't want to go too far ahead 
because the next day after my mother had passed I had the hardest thing I've ever had to do I had to tell my son that his nana had gone to be with Jesus. And until you've had to tell a kid that his grandparent that he loved and adored had gone to be with Jesus and was no longer with us he wasn't ever going to see her again. At least not in this world. You don't know what pain is. As parents, we want to be able to take the pain away from our kids. We want to keep them from having to be able to have to with withstand the pain or having to without having we don't want them to have to go through these hard things this is one of the first time in his life that I haven't been able to help him I couldn't take away his pain I was sharing his pain we were both basking in it To say we were both crushed is such an understatement. That was the hardest moment of my life. A lot of emotions going through my head. I didn't want him to hurt. I also didn't want him to think that I had let him down. That I had somehow been responsible for his Nana's death. And that maybe that there was something I could have done that I didn't do because that wasn't the case. I did everything that I could and I was prepared to do even more. that no one has to do that at a young age to a child. But unfortunately, I would be lying to you if I said you weren't going to have to because the reality is is some of you are going to have to tell, tell someone that someday. All we can do is be strong and be there. Be there for them. Cry with them. That's what I did. I cried and I cried and I cried with him. So we had the funeral arrangements set up, got through it, did a celebration of life afterwards, which was beautiful. A lot of friends, a lot of family were there for that. And then there was the matter of uh, my mother's house. Um, I 
I don't really get very attached to things. I'm more attached to people and memories. Now, I know some memories live in some things, but I'm not really a house guy. I, I had a lot of people telling me, oh, you need to just move into your mom's house and live there, you know, debt-free, rent-free, blah, 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 blah. It's a huge step down in size of home for us, and honestly, I never thought I could mentally do it. I didn't think I could emotionally take living in my mother's house without her there. So I made the decision to sell it. Luckily, we didn't even make it a full day on the market. We didn't even make it to the market, quite frankly. Um, only reason we actually put it on the market was because uh, I kind of felt like I owed it to my, my realtor and um, there were other people in the neighborhood that I was wanting to have an opportunity to see the house. But mom's next door neighbor, her granddaughter, um, put an offer on the house. They want to move in. They want to remodel the house and take care of grandma next door. I can't tell you how much of a godsend that was and how amazing that made me feel that, that someone was going to take the house and was going to care about it because the thing I was the most afraid of was that some investor was going to rent it out and it was going to get destroyed and just wasn't going to get taken care of. Now I know it's going to be taken care of and someone's going to turn it into a home. So I love that. Oh my gosh. 2023 has just not been... This is just kind of... All the things mixed together makes the cake of 2023 and this has not been a very good, a very good year for, for us in 2023. I'm ready for 2023 to be over with and luckily it is not far from being over i think it's uh you know it's actually december 17th it is one day after my 40th birthday which yesterday was hard not you know all the all of the firsts are going to be really hard you know thanksgiving was weird not having my mom there yesterday was really hard my birthday and not having my mom there. She was always the first one to text me and call me. She always called me like at 7 a.m. no matter what the day. And she would call me or text me and tell me happy birthday and how happy she was to have me as a son and then how much joy and light I brought to her life or something like that. A lot of great memories. A lot of great memories. I think that we have to choose to remember the the good memories and hope that they overshadow or overtake the bad memories. Because usually the bad memories are right there at the end. Those are the most painful ones. been a really hard year 
and I can't wait to reset things because I know Christmas is gonna Christmas is gonna be very difficult. I sit back and I look at it, and I don't I really don't have very much family left. Um, I have my aunt and uncle, and my who are, who's my my mother's sister. have some uncles on my father's side who are kind of we're not really estranged we're just not very close actually I have only have one uncle now I mean that was the other thing is I had in the middle of all this also I had an uncle die on my father's side we weren't terribly close but I did love him very much so I have one uncle on my dad's side and I have one aunt on my mother's side I don't know how things are going to be. You know, new traditions are going to have to be forged. Um, I'm very fearful of how the family that I have left is going to stay together or stay close or are we going to drift apart. I don't know if it's right or wrong for that to happen. I don't know if it's a sin. I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. I've been working really hard on mom's estate stuff. My mom did not have her estate buckled up, or buttoned up, rather. I can tell you right now, for all you dads out there, you and your wives and your moms and dads and everybody needs to get together and get your dadgum estate in order. You don't have to tell people how much you got. That ain't what it's about. You just need to at least tell them where to go to find it. Because I can tell you from first-hand experience, when you don't know what's going on, when you don't know where to look, it makes it so much harder. For those of you who do have some wealth, I would suggest you put it in a trust. I don't know enough about it, but I do know that that is a way for for inheritance to, to not be so difficult for your beneficiaries. Go see a, an estate attorney to set all that up. I've got a great one here, Ashley Stearns. She's done great for me. I actually went to high school with her. I didn't know her in high school, but her mother-in-law actually went to high school with my mom. They were really good friends in high school. So make sure your stuff is buttoned up. Make sure it's in order. I'm going to tell you right now, guys, you don't know when it's going to happen. Everybody thinks that they have a lot of time left on this earth. But I can tell you right now, it's not up to you. It ain't up to you. And the last thing that you want is to add stress and add pain onto the people that will live on beyond you. Because I can tell you right now, one of the things I am so scared of right now is my mom actually did a pretty good job saving and, and investing and things like that. It's not a ton of money, but it's not bad for an old white single woman who was just a nurse her whole life. But I can tell you right now, one of the biggest things that I am scared of, and I'm scared to death of it, to, just saying it out loud, scares me to death. I'm so scared that I'm going to screw up everything that my mom has tried to build her entire life. 
and I don't want that for my son. I want to get this fixed, and I'm, I've got some good people around me that are helping me with that. Um, and I'm going to get everything buttoned up on my end, too. But I want to end this. I'm going to end this podcast with, uh, we'll call it uh, a little segment. We'll call it uh, a message for my son. Because that's what this podcast is all about. I want him to have something to look back and know who his dad was and what he thought about things. Maybe I have some wisdom. Maybe I'm just an old crazy coot. Who knows? I guess I'm old now that I'm 40. I think I might start going backwards next year. I might be 39 next year instead of 41. Anyways, all right. A message from my son. Son, um, 2023 was hard. It was hard in a lot of ways. I know you're going through some things at school with your friends and yourself and your bodies and your relationships with them. This is about the time when, when little boys your age begin to have some hormones uh, and, and you might not quite be there yet but you're going to here over the next year or two or three you're going to start becoming less of a little boy and more of a young man some of your friends might be a little bit ahead of you in that regard but I can tell you right now it doesn't change anything you're still their friend they may treat you differently right now but they're just being little boys they're still making that transition you're going to go through it as well I know you don't like being the smallest in your class but it's okay to be small as long as you live big No matter what you do, always try to do the best at what you be, try to be the best that you can be at what you're doing. No matter how hard things are outside, it's just I know 2023 has been hard. Nana died, Poppy died, Star died. It was a hard year, buddy. But I can't promise you that every year is going to be a good year or every year is going to be a great year. There are going to be bad years. There are going to be really bad years like this one. Everything that I've tried to teach you to this point in your life is to help you become a young man. And we're about to enter that phase. This next year you'll be 10. You're going to start transitioning into being a young man. There are going to be changes in how I try to raise you, how I treat you in certain situations. You know, you don't get the little boy excuse anymore. You're going to be a young man. You've lived through some things this year that will help you with that. I know it's hard to understand that right now. But I promise you, it will make you stronger in the end. Your dad had to grow up at an early age whenever your grandfather and Nana got divorced. They got divorced in, whenever I was in third grade. I had to grow up really fast. I felt like I had to be the protector. I'm 
not saying that's the same thing here, but I can tell you that the pain that you felt from this year will give you strength and how to deal with things down the road. Love you, my son, and I only want you to be happy and to be successful in whatever it is that you decide to do. Life's not going to be easy. Like I said, not every year is going to be a good year. But we don't roll over and we don't quit just because something bad happens. We have to live through the pain. We have to take the lessons, take the good memories, take the bad memories, and come out with what is called wisdom. That's what you always have to take from situations, good, bad, or ugly. You have to take away wisdom, but you cannot take away the wisdom unless you live through it and you learn the lessons from it. I love you, my son. That's going to do it for today, guys. Again, this has been the Dad Code Podcast. Real dads, real talk, no BS. Be sure to give us a follow on the way out. Share this with all your friends. And we'll see you all next time.